Great worship, guys. That was excellent. Well, good morning, everyone. Pastor Victor asked me to share about a month ago, and at that time I was going through, um, in my personal devotion time, reading about heaven. I just kind of took a break from reading through, uh, you know, like a book-by-book devotion time, and I just decided to start going through verses about heaven. And um, I said, oh, that'd be cool, you know, can I, can I share about heaven? And um, he said, sure, and then, and then I realized what I got myself into, because <laughs> it's quite a bit on the topic, and then I have to kind of trim it down and hopefully make it relevant to you guys this morning. So... Um, I believe the Lord gave me what, what needs to be said, and so we'll, we'll get into it. Um, I want to look, kind of do a survey. One of the things I did when I was going through this topic is doing just a survey of kind of a worldly perspective on heaven. And, um, you know, a lot of us have come across this in our culture. Uh, one of the common visuals that we see often is clouds. I don't know if I've ever seen like a picture of heaven that didn't include clouds of some sort. Uh, usually we're standing on the clouds or we're going up to the clouds. And um, this, is, this is common. There's, there's the uh, stairway. I don't know if that comes from like Jacob's Ladder or if it comes from the, the popular song in the 60s. I don't, I'm not sure where that stairway comes from. Um, and then why is there always a harp? Like, why, <laughs> like can we have any other instruments or just everybody gets harps? I don't know. Um, and, and then the wings, of course, right? The wings are there. The, the little cartoon, I don't know if it's big enough for you guys to see, uh, but it says management is uh, upgrading all the hardware, and he's got an iHarp. And um, I, if I can make one request to the Lord, and I'm an Apple fan, I have all Apple everything, I'll be super happy if I don't have anything with an I beginning with it in heaven. <laughs> I don't need an iPhone, iPad, iMac, any of that. I'll be okay with all of that. Um, so we see this pictorially. I mean, how does this match up with the Bible? And so we're going to talk about that. Um, the other thing, you guys know this, it's popular in our music as well. So here's some, some lyrics for you. Oh, baby, do you know what it's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. And I intentionally try not to sing that because it's, I grew up in the 80s, so it have just come out. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, and you guys are like, you're saying it wrong. Um, so other performing artists have taken a, taken a stab at this. Uh, Beyonce have, has a song called Heaven. Bruno Mars has a song called Locked Out of Heaven. That's like... At least you're being honest, right? Um, Eminem, I'm in heaven. Brian Adams, we're in heaven. Um, Eric Clapton, very popular song, different context, but tears in heaven. Bob Dylan, you guys, well, this would be the older crowd, was, was knocking, knock, knock, knocking, right, on heaven's door. Uh, Led Zeppelin, the stairway to heaven. And so um, very popular in all culture. I pulled up a couple of blog posts just to get kind of a atheistic view, I guess, on the topic. 
But uh, this particular person, Mr. Mr. Nobody0097, says, Back in high school, we studied a painting of heaven. Forgot the name and the artist. Sorry. Apparently, it's a place where men and women are separated, just meditating close to God for eternity. Sounds boring indeed. And then um, we have a Bible theologian in response. Um, he describes himself as a secular humanist. Uh, enjoy carrots, says in response, the Christian heaven, as actually described in the Bible, doesn't just sound boring, it sounds like a nightmare. The only thing making it less nightmarish is the implication that you are literally forced by divine will to enjoy the experience. And so, kind of with that background, I wanted to do a survey of the Bible this morning. We're going to go through a lot of verses um, I trimmed it down significantly of what's actually in the scriptures, uh, so bear with me. But I'm going to have you turn to a couple of scriptures. So we're going to start in Psalms chapter 16. And most of the scriptures I'm going to put up on the screen that we're going to go through, um, you, can, you can try to flip with me, but I might be going pretty quick. Uh, but a couple of places I'm going to have you turn to. So we'll start in Psalm 16. And we'll look at uh, verse 11. And if you wonder why I pause, it's because I hear pages flipping. So, uh, Verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this, of course, is a psalm of David. And um, who's the path of life? Who's the way? Jesus Christ, right? And in your presence, in Jesus' presence, is the fullness of joy. And I was reading this, this psalm. If we had nothing else about heaven, to me, this is enough. I don't, you know, we have um, joy here on earth. And there's moments of extreme joy, right? Like a wedding, maybe a honeymoon, a birth of a child, Maybe when you share the gospel with somebody and they receive it. Um, that time in softball where we almost won a game. Remember that, Mark? Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's times of joy we have here, but can we really say that we're 100% joyful? We're f- completely full of joy. Is there any moment with these bodies? I mean, when we share the gospel with somebody and they receive it, isn't there that flesh that goes, wow, those words I spoke were incredible, you know, and that the pride all of a sudden is right there, right? Our flesh is right there. And um, I, don't, I don't know if we could ever describe even a, the best moments in this life to meet this description as being completely full of joy and pleasures forevermore. And so what a great description David gives us here of heaven. Um, I'm also, if you can, turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And I just want you to hold your place there. That's kind of where I want you to camp uh, this morning in your Bibles. Um, We we, we will get there in a minute, but just so you have your spot there. Um, I did a a word search on the word heaven. And just so you guys know (laughs) uh, how many times in the scriptures this word appears. So this is Strong's um, Hebrew first. I'm not going to say the word... uh, well, we'll just put it up there. So the Hebrew first, 420 times in the Hebrew. 
and in the Greek, 284 times. Now, one thing we have to realize is in the scripture, and this is very important from a doctrinal standpoint, is that the, the word heaven is used really in three different ways. Um, it's used in a terrestrial, I would say like an atmosphere of the earth, right, where, we, where the birds fly, for example. Um, it's used in the celestial, the, the heavenly bodies, the, the stars, the moon, the sun, that way. And then, of course, the, the, the place where God dwells, right? Um, the heaven we have to look forward to. And so those three different ways, and I'm going to show you three different verses just to show you how you can recognize this, typically in the context of the verse, right? So Jeremiah 8, 7 says, Even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times, and the turtle dove, the swift and the swallow, observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. So here, obvious based on the context, we're not talking about heaven where God uh, dwells. This is heaven where the birds fly, right? Um, there's also celestial, which is uh, example here, Genesis 15:5. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And then the third heaven... Um, explained here in Lamentations 3.41. When I pulled this verse up, I'm like, how many verses do we reference in Lamentations? So I I got one in. So uh, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. And so there, again, an example of the third heaven. And then Paul clears this up for us in 2 Corinthians. And Paul, you guys know, he was well-educated in the Hebrew Scriptures. So if anybody would understand this, Paul would. And he uh, gives this to us in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. Um, Paul writes, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago... Now, just to give you context, we learn later that Paul is talking about himself. So he's talking in a third person uh, here, just so you know that. It's kind of funny how he writes it. So I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And so Paul clearly states the third heaven in the Hebrew context was where God dwells, right? And um, just so you know, if someone, a couple of guys come knocking at your door with ties on and they tell you there's three heavens, this is where they're getting that from. And so they're taking kind of the rest of the Bible out of context here. And they're saying, yeah, there's heaven one for the bad people, heaven two for the good people, and heaven three for, for their cult, right? So, um, so this is where they get that from. And so uh, Paul tells us that this is the third heaven where God dwells, and that's where he was caught up into. And uh, we go on and read, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise. And heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, Paul gives us another word there, which is uh, paradise, you see. This is, this is kind of interesting when I was going through this, because this word, although you guys saw, it's like almost, or I think over 700 times the scripture says heaven. The word paradise, however, is only used uh, three times in the scripture. 
So, which is pretty interesting. And one of them we just read, uh, which was from Paul's writings. The other two times was Jesus directly saying the word paradise. And so I want to look at those verses. Um, the word paradise, why this is interesting to me is because it, it gives us additional um, content of what heaven is going to be like. Um, you know, we, we say the word paradise, but we don't really understand the, the meaning of it in the Greek context of this time, um, which was a, a garden or a park, um, somewhere that you would go and uh, recreate, right? Um, and we even can think of like the Garden of Eden being like this, right? Being a paradise. Um, so all the gardeners out there, um, I'm trying to, I'm looking around. I know some gardeners. Oh, there's Vicky back there. So, um, you're in, you're in luck. No, <laughs> there might be some gardening to do in heaven, and so we get this word. And so I want to look at the two other times Jesus uh, mentions this. Um, Paul, this is the second time in the scriptures, at least chronologically, is mentioned. So the, I'm going to do the last time first, which is Revelation two seven. Um, Jesus addressing the church in Ephesus, he closes the closes his um, message to them with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And obviously a a reference to heaven there. And we see this tree of life, which I find pretty fascinating because the tree of life, as you guys know, was in the Garden of Eden, right? And um, it was, the tree of life was a specific reason why Adam and Eve were blocked off from entering the garden, because God did not want them to partake of the tree of life after they had fallen into sin. And so there was the specific reason why it was blocked off there, and now we see the tree of life actually in heaven, um, in this paradise that Jesus describes here. And then the other interesting thing I find is that the first time that we get this revelation, so to speak, that this is what heaven's going to look like, is in Luke's gospel. The first time it's spoken of in all of scripture, Jesus on the cross speaking to the thief who asks him to remember me when you enter your kingdom, right? And he, Jesus responds to him and says, and Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, and so Jesus sets the, uh, the tone here on the cross to let us know a little bit about heaven and what it's going to be like. And um, he also gives us some other interesting things in this verse. We also learn uh, this word today, which in the Greek means today, in the Hebrew means today, and uh, everywhere else it means today, right? It's actually today. Um, there is this, uh, you, you guys may have heard of it, this concept, and well-meaning Christians, I'm not guessing their salvation or anything like that, but they believe in this idea of called soul sleep, where you die and your soul just stays in your body, I guess, um, wherever it is, and it just sleeps until the resurrection or until, the, until, God, or until Jesus returns, right? And then it gets resurrected up. And so they have this idea that basically you just don't exist until the resurrection, until the end times, and then you get resurrected up. And so there's this... Uh, there's, you know, well-meaning Christians that have this um, idea, but this verse, and I'm going to show you another one, uh, 
is, is directly in contrast with that. There's, today is today. So immediately when the thief dies, he's going to be with Jesus in paradise that day. And it makes me wonder, and we'll kind of explore this a little bit, is, well, we know the thief's body didn't go up, right? So what, what happened, right? And so uh, Paul explains this to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, six through 8. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, so where we are today, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so... um, we, we see this a couple of things here. We see, one, um, that we will actually be separated from our body, right, who we are. Um, Pastor Victor always says this, this tent or this space suit, right? I think the Bible uses, uh, Paul uses the term tent a lot. Pastor Victor uses uh, space suit. You know, this space suit we're going to leave behind, right? And so um, our soul, however, will... Uh, be immediately in the presence of the Lord. And as soon as we're absent from the body, we are in, pre- we are in the Lord's presence. And as uh, Jesus told the thief, we will be in paradise immediately. And so we learn this from the scripture. Now, what about, you know, um, what, what will it be like? Will we be like just translucent? You know, what, what will that look like? And um, I can't completely answer that question, but I'm going to give you a um, kind of a biblical view of what our heavenly bodies will look like. Um, And we get a lot of confidence in knowing that Jesus was the the first through the process, right? And so we see uh, his resurrected body. We know Thomas touched it, right? So he wasn't translucent. But then the question is, do we get that body immediately? Do we get that glorified body immediately? And so let's look at a a couple of verses. So you guys are in um, 1 Corinthians, right? I'm not there yet, so give me a second. 1 Corinthians, and we're going to do chapter uh, 15, verse, we'll start at verse 35. Okay, so verse 35, and I'm going to read this just to know that he's answering a question, and, um, and then we'll kind of skip down and, and go through some of this detail here. So verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? And so this is the question. Now, verse, you'll see beginning of verse 36, it says foolish one, so don't just skip that. So let's find out what he says. <laughs> um, I'm joking. You're not foolish. So, verse. Uh, let's go down to verse 42, and we're going to read verses 42 through 49. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, of course, Jesus Christ, right, became a a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. We get our natural bodies first, right? And afterwards, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And this is why we can get our example from from Jesus, is that he was obviously uh, died in the grave for three days, was resurrected from the dead, and his glorified body is what those observed, those 500 people that observed him, right? Uh, You know, the people that touched him and hugged him, um, this is what they got to see was Jesus's glorified body. And a lot of people, and if you read, you know, when you're reading through the, the gospel accounts, you realize that a lot of these people didn't totally recognize him at first. Like, and I, I wonder kind of why. Um, part of me thinks he was so disfigured and beaten that it was just, it didn't compute in their head, right? Like, how could this be? Um, or it's just, he, he was, you know, his body was in perfect shape besides the scars, right, at that point. And maybe they just hadn't seen him that way. He's just been so worn out over the years they had spent with him. Um, it's, it's hard to say for sure. I mean, they eventually did recognize him, but, you know, the road to Emmaus, I was thinking about, remember they were talking with him for a while before he shared uh, the truth with them. And um, just, there's a lot of shock, right, of, is this really Jesus? And um, it took him, a, took him a moment to figure it out. But that was his glorified body that they were looking at. Um, I, I don't think he had wings. I think that would have been noticed, you know, the pictures with the wings. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, so sorry to say, if you're hoping to get bird wings in heaven, I just, I don't see it. So, um, all right. So we see that, um, that Paul gives us this description um, that we are going to be given this glorified body. And uh, I want to look at um, another verse on this, uh, Philippians 3 verses 20 through 21, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And um, so there we go, another promise from the Lord that he's able to do these things. Uh, now, the question is, when will this happen? So immediately when we die, will we get this glorified physical body? Um, I, can, I can tell you there's a few different views on this, and um, I have an opinion. I have a strong opinion, but I'm not sold totally on that opinion, okay? So somebody may have a different view than me on this. Um, so uh, you guys are in 1 Corinthians still, chapter 15. Go back to verses 20. Through 24. And I realize I may be selling my opinion here, but that's, that's okay. If I'm wrong, it's okay. I don't, I don't even care. The fact of the matter is, 
we will get a glorified body, right? And so if, if the timing is really the question. So verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since, a, for since by man come death, by man also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all have sh- shall be made alive. Uh, verse 23, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then, okay, you see that at the end of verse 23, at his coming? So those afterward, afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the, the Father, with, sorry, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. And so um, I'm going to look at one more verse on this. First uh, Thessalonians, verse 4, um, or chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who, f- who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And kind of using these two two, uh, passages of scripture is where I get the kind of the belief or the thought that our resurrected glorified body will be given to us at the second coming when the um, when our f- physical where it says here and the dead in Christ will rise first and if we can go back one verse if I can do that cool um, so let me just read this one again for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I admit to you, this could be saying that, like Paul's taking a side note and he's saying like, well, oh, by the way, the dead in Christ will rise first, meaning that they will get their glorified body before this event. But to me, and the other verse in 1 Corinthians, this is saying that, the, um, that we will get our glorified body first, and then those will be raptured up. Those saints that are still alive on the earth will be raptured up. And that's what the text is saying. The other one that gives me kind of this idea is in um, Revelation chapter 6. It says John's looking out at, at uh, heaven and he sees what he says is the souls of the martyrs are crying out to the Lord under, under the altar of God, God. And so he's seen these souls, right? And so in my mind, um, based on these scriptures that... When we get, uh, if we die here physically, if we pass through the valley of the shadow of death and we die here physically, that our soul will rise up into heaven and we'll be okay with that. It won't be a big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, if that does happen, it's okay. We're going to be in paradise with God, right? And then we'll get that glorified body uh, when the Lord returns. 
and um, the, the saints will be raptured up. Those who died before will get their glorified body. And that's the way I read it. Again, I may be wrong. Um, and if, if you have something on that, feel free to let me know afterwards. I'd love to hear it. So, the kind of the last thing I want to look at, or a couple more things I want to look at. One is, um, what will heaven look like? Right? We looked a little bit at the garden. Um, but, and the, the second thing is, what will we do there? So what's, you know, we see this, I'm reminded back to that uh, atheist post about, you know, it being a nightmare, being boring, you know, is it just going to be super boring? I mean, you go on a roller coaster uh, two times, it's pretty fun. You go on it a hundred times, it's like, do I have to go again, right? So, <laughs> so will it be boring, right? So what are we going to do there? So first of all, what does heaven look like? Um, for, I'm going to look at uh, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And John, of course, writing this, um, and we are looking at, you'll notice here, and I want to, you know, I have the verse up here. One thing you'll notice right off the bat, it says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So this is a specific event, right? So if um, or I should say this, when we go to heaven, this particular event here is happening in the future. So the paradise we enter into is not going to be exactly like what we're seeing here in Revelation. This is a specific event that'll happen where we see a new heaven and a new earth merging together. And what I would say is this is a really our eternal destination. So we when we die, we go to paradise, yes. We go to be with the Lord, and that's going to be incredible. But there is actually another uh, destination that is going to take place in the future that we see here in Revelation 21, in this new heaven and a new earth where heaven and earth are merged, right? Not what we have today where they're separated, but they actually come together, and God dwells on the earth with us. Um, so look at what it says. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, sorry, I didn't advance that, did I? Thank you. And I heard a loud voice uh, from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. They shall, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So, I'm not going to read through the rest of Revelation 21. There's a lot more detail there, but let me just give you some highlights. Um, John uh, gives us some dimensions of this city. He says there is walls in this city. There's gates. The gates are actually never closed. There's never nighttime, and it says the gates are never closed. Um, there's no temple in this city. Uh, God will be dwelling with us. He will be the one we are worshiping. We won't need to go to the temple. Um, there's no sea there, as we saw. Uh, there is a water, there is a river of water of life um, that's 
clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And we will have no need of an external light source. That's how I know, like, our bodies aren't made for this. Um, Because could you imagine how bright it is if there's no need for an external light source, right? There's no need for a sun or a moon or stars. Um, Not saying there won't be these things, but there's really no need for them. Um, Revelation 21, 23 says, the city had no need for a sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is the light. So uh, we are definitely not made for, to see this, this glorious picture, right, that we're seeing here. Um, Revelation 22, 2 says something kind of interesting as well. In the middle of the street and on the, either side of the river was the tree of life. So there's that tree again, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There's a few things we get here. And one of the things I find really, really interesting is this idea, and people will say it, like, we just become eternal. You know, like the eternal now. Like there's no such thing as time in heaven. And this verse would seem to refute that, that there's actually a passage of time. And we see every month... This tree, this tree yields fruit, right? And there's 12 fruits um, that are, that are uh, bore from this. So I, th- I think we could safely say there is a passage of time, which means we will never truly be eternal. We will live eternally, but we will never be eternal like God. Like God is eternal, no beginning, no end, but we have a beginning, and then we will continue to live. So in a million years from now, we'll be a million years old, and we'll continue to add to that. We won't just become eternal, right? Does that make, does that make sense? And I think that's, that's clear with this verse that there is a passage of time, which is in a way a little bit comforting, right? It's like this, you know, the, there's like this nirvana idea where you just like become part of God. And that's not, that's not what we're seeing here in the scriptures. And so um, you could see, or I could see from here is this idea of, you know, uh, maybe even seasons. And in life, we're used to this uh, secular pattern of life, right? Where we, you know, this time of year, we start seeing like fall decorations just show up in our house. I don't know where they come from, but they just start popping up. And then, you know, as Christmas comes, there's like a wreath that shows up on the door and all these things, right? But th- this is a secular um, pattern of life that we live in. And we see it here from this tree, which I think is really encouraging that there may be celebrations that we go through every year. And we, we may have this similar type of pattern that we're used to here on your earth in heaven. And every day will be at a day to time. It's not like we're going to get bored, right? Because we're going to be full of joy um, and we're going to have pleasures forevermore. Um, I don't, many of you have probably spent time with someone who is passing away, maybe an older person or someone who was in a lot of pain and was nearing death. And, you know, uh, I can think of Lori's grandma. We, we spent time with her maybe a couple weeks before she passed. And she was looking forward to death at that time because she was in so much pain. And um, so you, you can see that here on earth, how people are don't want to live anymore. And it's usually because they don't have the fullness of joy, right? If you had a fullness of joy and you, were, you had pleasures forevermore, 
you don't want to die, right? Even here on earth, you don't want to die because you're enjoying life. You're having fun, right? You're enjoying things. And that's what I think heaven will be like. We will never have that pain, that misery. And so every day will be at a day at a time. I think they'll, I believe based on this, there'll be seasons, um, you know, just based on the different fruits. I mean, that's how we get different fruits and vegetables here on earth is that there's different seasons that produce these things. And so I think there's going to be this um, circular uh, pattern there in heaven, too, that, that we have to look forward to. Um, so kind of the last question I went to an- try to answer is, what will we do? You know, And I think this is a... I think the church may have something to do with this, that we may have some blame in this, because a lot of times people say, like, what are you going to do in heaven? Well, the simple quick answer is we're going to worship God. And that's true. That's 100% true. Like, you know, we'll look at verses around that. Um, but, but what does that mean to somebody receiving it, right? So in the church, we think worship is from the heart, right? And so, um, but somebody receiving that does, doesn't understand that they think of church, right? Especially if they're not a non-Christian. They go, oh, we're gonna, it's going to be a church service forever, <laughs> You know, we have to listen to that guy talk forever. <laughs> um, so, and, and we're just going to sing songs forever, right? And, uh, and that sounds, to, to other people, that might sound not as interesting as you and me, right? So, <laughs> um, so I want to give you an idea, kind of closing out with what, what will we do in heaven? So, Revelation, and, you know, we are going to be praising the Lord, for sure. Um, so Revelation 7, uh, verses 9 through 10. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. Um, before I continue, I love this verse. and This may be a side note, but you know how people say, well, what about that, that tribe in uh, uh, whatever, the Amazon, right, that no one has ever reached out to you, you know? Are those people just going to go to hell and stuff? I don't know all the answers to that, but I know that um, what this verse says here is that all, tri- all nations, tribes, and people, and we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to meet these people, and we're going to find out how Jesus reached out to them, how he used other people or how he used his angels, how he used visions, I don't even know all the details, but we're gonna, I, I believe we're going to talk to these people and be like blown away how Jesus reached these people, right? And I, I don't know exactly how he's going to do it or how he does it, but, but they're going to be there and we're going to hear their testimonies. Um, so the next uh, verse, and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. So there they are singing and there will be praise in heaven. So if you love praising the Lord, great news. If you don't, it's going to be the best praise service ever, all right? So just hang in there. You're going to love it. I believe you'll love it. Um, you know, the, it'll be incredible. But that is not the only thing we're going to be doing in heaven, right, is, is singing. We're not just going to be singing in heaven. We're going to be worshiping God in other ways. Um, I want to read this verse, Revelation 22.3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And there's, um, if, 
This is New King James, uh, I believe. Yep, New King James. Shall serve him. Some of the uh, versions say worship him. Uh, Some translate it as serve him. But this is definitely not the word used for praise, as in vocally praising. Uh, This is going to be from the heart, the things we do from the heart, how we serve him. Um, I believe, just like um, Genesis 2.15, that God, when God made Adam and Eve, he said, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it, that God has designed us to do work. And um, you might not like your job. That's fine. God's job is better, right? So trust me. Um, God designed us to do work. Adam and Eve were gardeners to tend the garden. Uh, maybe some of us will be gardeners in heaven. Maybe some of us will be building this, helping, you know, build structures in this city, this new Jerusalem. You know, maybe God has gifted other people to explore God's creation and climb mountains. I don't know, right? But we're going to be doing work in heaven, I believe, because that's how God created us. And the scripture clearly says that we're going to be serving him. And this is going to be a form of worship, right, in what we're going to be doing. Um, and then the last verse I'm going to pull up here is uh, Matthew 25, 23. And uh, the worship team can come on up. Matthew 25, 23. This is the parable of the talents. And um, it's kind of interesting how it finishes off here. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And um, I I think based on the scripture, that there's some responsibility given to us based on how we have been, um, what, what we've been faithful with here on earth, what he's been given to us here on earth to be oversee, to look over and to, you know, the resources he has given us and how we've been faithful with those resources and obeying him and serving him. And likewise, he's going to make us uh, rulers over things potentially in heaven, right? That we have responsibility in, and over things in heaven. And this particular parable, there's, there's two of the servants um, that he's speaking to here. One was given a little bit. I think it was two talents, if I remember right. And one was given 10. Correct me? Yep. Okay. Uh, one was given two. One was given 10. And, um, but the... The reward was the same for both of them. So it's not necessarily the amount that was given to you. It's the fact that they were both faithful with what God had given them. And so that's encouraging to me as well. Um, there's going to be, I believe, lots to do in heaven uh, that God has specific roles for us on how he created us. And um, it'll, it'll be incredible. And I just want to kind of close before we do the worship song with just remembering that kind of how David described it, right? That the joy and eternal pleasure, that we will be filled with this joy and eternal pleasure. And this will be an incredible place. And uh, kind of how we opened up is trying to keep that in our minds, right? That this time we have here on earth is such a small speck compared to eternal eternity. And it's easy to get bogged down in interpersonal relationship issues and, and um, just things that, that get in our way of losing focus on God, right? I mean, you look at the, you turn on the news for 10 minutes and your mind can just be blown away with things, right? So um, let, us, let us be heavenly minded, 
we can still be earthly good. I know the saying, heavenly minded, not earthly good or something like that, but we could still be earthly good, right, in pointing people to the Lord. Uh, but let us keep be that internal-minded people. And, um, yeah, that's it, guys. So let me pray, and then I'll turn it over to these guys. <clears throat> Dear Holy Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you, the, the words you have given us. I know even kind of how Paul spoke, that it, that it wasn't lawful for him to even speak of it. Like, I don't, I don't think he thought himself worthy or that he even had the words to properly describe uh, what your paradise looks like. And, um, and he just left it at that. And, and I think uh, uh, you, you've given us what we needed to know. We look forward to it. Just the fact that uh, we are going to be full of joy for eternity. We're going to be able to spend time with you. We're going to be able to uh, just just know you even more than we do now and continue to get to know you for eternity, Lord. It's just going to be incredible. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for blessing us with your word, for, for your message. And uh, just pray for a blessing upon the congregation, Lord, that they would have confidence in your word that... Um, we never know, like, who's going who's gonna to be raptured up if the time is here or who's going to pass through that valley of the shadow of death. But if we, if we were to pass through that valley of the shadow of death, that we'd have confidence in your word, Lord, that you will carry us over. To be absent with the body is to be present with you, and that's even more glorious, Lord. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.